This is my voice, my weapon of choice. Hello everybody, you are listening to IVS Radio, a podcast series on the migrant women experience. Brought to you by IVS, the international women's space. IVS has been a space for refugee women to come together and self-organize. We discuss, share, and exchange our stories, experiences, challenges, and struggles. We empower each other and empower ourselves to learn about and fight for our rights. Make sure to visit our website, iwspace.de, and subscribe to our podcasts. Hi, everyone. You are listening to IVS Radio, a podcast on the migrant women experience. We are happy to be back after a long break. From now on, we will continue releasing one episode every month. In today's episode, we are continuing to talk about the EU border politics and their direct impact on refugees on the EU outer borders and here in Germany. We are a feminist anti-racist group comprised of refugees and migrant women and women without this experience. And with the IVS radio, we want to both shed a light on our lived experience and also on the general situation of migrant women living in Germany today. My name is Jennifer Kamau, and I'm here with our guest for today's show, Zara Musavi and Anna Kemani. Welcome, you two. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So in today's episode, we want to focus on this colonial bloody European border policies and its failure to meet the basic human needs and dignity, living conditions and circumstances for refugee in the border camps in Greece and also here in Germany. In preparation for this program, we already met with Zara and Anna and talked about the image created by the mainstream media, which is not focused on the living conditions and circumstances or as to why they flee, but the so-called violence, violence among refugees in so-called camps on European border and beyond. Let's be clear, which violence are we talking about? The media is not reporting about the structure of violence and border regime that isolate and violate not just the dignity of human beings, but also their bodies. The European Union and countries have been not just completely silent about the human rights violations being implemented every single day before our eyes. They are also actively preventing all support to violate the refugee body and hinder any support that comes to help the refugees. Meanwhile, the EU Commission points their fingers to other European, to other European countries on human rights violations. And with this, I would like to start with our first guest, Zara. Zara, I would like you to introduce yourself. My name is Zahra, Zahra Musavi. I'm one of the refugee that I arrived in 2019 in Lesbos. And in one month that I'm here. You're only here since one month? Yes. Okay. Welcome to Germany. Thank you so much. And... Uh, for us to understand what is the process, what she can tell us more about the, the process of arriving at Moria and what was it like to live, to live there? Yeah. First of all, that we can say if people manage to cross the sea and they do not push them back and if their boat doesn't sink, the process of expecting them will begin. Okay. Okay, first day, they will ask about their information, the basic information like their name and this kind of things and the date of their birth. Most of the time that they are saying that if you have any problem in this detail and everything that at the end that you can change it. But it's not true that the first day that you arrive, that whatever that they are writing about you, that you will have it for your whole life. So in the event, when they take your data, any data you enter, this is what uh, they will use for the rest of your uh, refugee application. Exactly. Okay. And because of this, m all of the refugees that they were in Greece, the date of their birth is 1st of January of 2000, I don't know. 
So it has been generalized that if you're born in January, they don't indicate the dates. They just write January. Yes. And then um, the the year. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Okay. And after that, they are taking picture. They are putting the fingerprint. But in the beginning, if you tell them clearly that it's not a place that I want to be, mm-hmm. want to stay or live. Uh, and I don't want to put the fingerprint that they're saying, okay, then we will deport you back to the uh, Turkey. Mm-hmm. All of the people that in the first day that they said clearly that we don't want to stay here. But they said, okay, you don't have any chance. The other thing is that they are taking picture. I told you they are taking picture, putting fingerprint, and they're asking for if you have any health issues or anything. Uh, and you have to tell them, you have to give the document about it uh, in that moment that you can, they can accept you. If you have a really, I don't know, severe case in your family that you have a proof to tell them, otherwise that they are not um, accept you as a vulnerable people, mm-hmm. we can say. Um, and then... We can say in 2019, the time that I arrived, after one month that they gave them, they gave people advice, and after two or three months that they started to support them financially. But nowadays, the new arrival, after one week that they are giving them advice, and uh, after in that first month that they are giving, that they are supporting them, this money. Yeah. Okay. So we, we also know that there is a failure of the EU to discuss and provide basic human needs in these camps at the borders. And it's on purpose. This we know it's on purpose. What do you feel is important for people to know about Moria? Okay, vulnerable people, we can say people were categories according to their circumstance. Vulnerable people is people with uh, chronic disease or that they were pregnant, or they both were sink in the sea, or people that with mental issue. If it was from 2019. But in 2020, that they said that only people with severe case that are vulnerable people. And in 2021 and 2022, they changed it and they said, okay, chronic disease and also mental issue people with a mental issue that but with a really really um, strong paper and document to prove that they have mental issue they can accept them and that moment that uh, they in the 2019 they just opened their card we have two uh, three different Oswais um, and a stamp blue black and red the red one, that you are not allowed to leave the island. And black one is for the vulnerable people, that they can leave the island. And blue also, that they can leave, is mostly for the pregnant woman and is for the people that they're both sink in the sea or something like that. And is a different people with a different stamp. And people that they, they had a red stamp that they are sucking there for I don't know how long. In 2019, they just giving them a date of interview after one year or two years. But for the new arrivals in these days that are giving after one month or in one month that they have to do the interview. Okay, can you just tell us a little bit more about the living conditions for those who have no idea of how these camps look like just to have a a picture of it yeah we can say that i will start by this i remember the first day that i arrived there it was a lot of people that they said that don't come here just tell them that you don't want to come in this camp is a hell don't come and that time we didn't have any choice we had to go inside when we went inside most of them they said that welcome to the hell and it was true it was true in the beginning, that when I arrived and I saw that that it is impossible, okay, 
most of the refugees, they had a reason to leave their country and come to the European country because they, their country was not safe or a lot of things happening there. But at least they have the basic human right. But in the camp, in Muria's camp, it was like, you have to stay in the line for a toilet. You have to stay in the line for the, I don't know, in water tap to wash your hand. And the first day that I wondered that my mind that didn't didn't want to accept this situation, sleep under the tent, doesn't matter that you are five or six people in the family, in that weather, in 2019, that they didn't, they said that, okay, we will give you a tent, go and find your place in the camp. And camp was really full and we had to go to the jungle area to find the place. And the time that we came and asked for the tent, they said that, okay, jungle place, we will give you a tent, but we will not support you by the other thing because it's not part of the camp. And say that, okay, we couldn't find any place. If you find any place inside that you can tell us that we will go there, doesn't matter. And they said, no, no, it's not our job to find a place for you, confined. And we can say that is, and also is it true that my country is not safe as I told you before, but it was not that much that women for sure after five or six in the afternoon in a camp that they, they cannot go out alone, for sure that they cannot because the number of rapes and harassment was higher. In these camps? In this camp. Yeah. And how was the situation when you were going to the dining hall? At some point, I think you explained to us. Tell us a little bit more how the situation was when you were going to make the line for the food. Okay. For going to the food line, it was a, that most of the in the media that you can check in the Google or something that they have a lot of picture of the camp, but some of them that they didn't show real clearly there. Most of the people, they have to stay in the camp for five or six hours to just take the food. And always the food was not enough. And most of the people they had, they just fight because of the food, because that they they had to take the food doesn't matter how and i'm i'm telling you it's not their fault you know it's not their fault because that they need food they didn't have any electricity in that moment to cook something they didn't have the new rivals for two or three months they didn't have any money okay then they have to be in this line yeah yeah, we, we know how they use the basic human needs, for example, food, to kind of impose their form of control. So they use the food, which people really need to survive, and and torment people with that lack of it. Or they create situations around the aspect of the things that people really need. Yes. <sighs> Okay, I saw a lot of journalists that they came to the camp and they did a lot of reports, but the only things that they just published it in media or somewhere else, it was only the part that it was not really important because we had the other important things. I didn't hear or I didn't see anything about any journalists to write about the jail or prison that we had in the camp. Most of the people that they were there, it was people with the second rejection. And uh, they and they behaved with them like a criminal. They did a lot of things, a lot of, it was a lot of violence against them in the prison. And no one didn't know anything about them. When you say about the second rejection, what does that mean? What was the first rejection and what is the second rejection about? The first rejection, the time 
the time when you have the, your interview after some months it depends to your chance after some months or some weeks that are bring your reason the result of your interview result of interview that is it positive or negative the negative one that you are getting the first rejection yeah. that you can appeal yeah. for that and most of the people that are they're getting the first one for sure that they're getting the second one okay and uh, they have to go to the jail for that so the jail was a deportation was like a deportation camp what does it mean with the jail what made someone go to the for the to the jail uh actually that is a place they are not most of the time that they are not deport them directly they are putting them in prison and then they can appeal there again and they are giving the paper to them and they are making the situation in the in that jail or prison really hard for them and they are forcing them to sign that paper that paper for deportation and then they can deport them really perfectly without any problem to their country to f- to make it easier for them to deport them in bigger groups exactly yeah. that we can say that uh, i heard this i'm not sure about it if they want to deport people they have to pay themselves the government they have to pay it uh, and we say airplane that they are deporting them to their country but if they sign it that they have to pay themselves for the tickets and then they are deporting them okay it's a whole lot of mess there yes and a lot of people that it doesn't matter is that person is woman mm-hmm. or men that they are in the jail most of the time that people that are trying to leave the island illegally and i know a lot of women that they arrest them and they, they were in the jail not in the murias camp prison in the imitilini imitilini is the worse than the camp okay it's really worse okay and they were there um doesn't for them doesn't matter it's a woman it was it's a single woman situation it was really hard for her and i don't know because the, that place is not safe or something that they are putting them in prison for some months and then they have to do their interview in the prison and they have to wait for the result in that moment they can go out if it was positive and the other thing that i wanted to talk about it it was the the safety of the camp we can say the time that i arrived here in my Dublin interview the thing that that person told me it was really funny he said that in Greece that they protect you because all the things that happen in your country but it was not true because in my country is not safe because that okay is bombing and everything is happening there but i always i i saw a, i saw a lot of fight a lot of violence in the camp and the time that i asked police it was a lot of police there but like a robot or like a stone that they didn't do anything for the to protect refugees and they were like they were there i remember when we asked them for help they said that if they attack you you have to answer if you want you have to go and protect yourself and they didn't do anything i remember the time that people they ha- they were just had their knife and their handmade sword to protect themselves and their family and they're just walking in front of the police police didn't do anything so the only the police only the presence of the police was very evident but they were only there to carry out particular uh, tasks in the times of putting people in jail or deportations exactly okay while you were talking i had to think of what natasha a kelly said in the 6th episode of our podcast about the dimensions of structural racism in germany 
And I remember she talked about the distinction that today in 2021 still being made between humans, whose lives matter and whose lives not. There are different types of human beings, yeah, that um, those who count and those who don't. And um, this is definitely tied to citizenship, um, uh, to um, who has a say and who doesn't, who has access and who doesn't. Um, this is um, strongly tied to um, the ex existing power structures that have, um, which is a continuity of um, colonialism. And um, I think we're witnessing this um, as we speak. Um, we have over 10,000 people in Greece being maltreated, um, dehumanized, and who do not have access to human rights. So this is the level of where we should actually be having this debate. What's happening right now is that we're discussing human rights rights and this is i think where i can definitely relate to what angela davis is saying because in the 21st century we should not be discussing who who has access to human rights and who doesn't but this is um actually why what what's happening right now now we know you are also involved with a self-organized women's group in Moria. Would you be able to share more about how you got involved, what demands you had, and what actions you organized? Uh, yeah, I was involved in um, the name of this group. It was Woman Space or Wish. Yeah. The other name is Wish. In that time, in 2019, that after one, one week that I arrived, I went to the place that they call that place OHF or One Happy Family. It was a place with some language class and uh, some language class and also that it was the other class like music and dance or this kind of thing. And it was a place uh, that it was especially for the women. I went there and I met one of my friends there. It was not friend in that moment, but Mm, she asked me, do you want to work? I said, that, why not? Okay, it's better than being in the food line in the camp. It's really perfect to be here. And the small thing that I'm telling, that I want to tell you, in one happy family, that they, are, they distribute food, the food that they just distribute there, it was really good, much better than the food that they distributed in the camp. Because of that, most of the people, they just walk for 45 minutes from the camp to that place to just take the food. What was the name of the other place? It was One Happy Family. Uh, one Happy One Family is the name of the place. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, because of that, that the people that they are going there. Okay. I said that, why not? That I want to stay, I want to start working here because... I don't want to stay in the, I don't want to be in the line of the camp and they are distributing food here. It's good for me. And then I started to being with them. Okay. What kind of activities did you organize? From the beginning that we had that place, um, we had some meetings with the women there. And also we had a lawyer once or two times per week that she came and um, some of the people that if they have any question that they ask and we had the assembly uh, meetings there um, because most of the people that they heard some rumors about deportation or something in the in the camp they they came in that uh, meeting and said okay we heard these rumors and these which one is true which one is not Okay, tell us. And we had the people that they had the information to tell them. And we had the gynecologist that is related to the women that if they have any question that they could ask. And that per uh, that place is related to the woman, not for the kids, not for the men, nothing. And they had other place for them. 
Yeah, I, I can resonate with that because it sounds much more like the women's space we had in the school in the time of the movement. And it's interesting to see this concept is, is easily adapted in places where there are very extreme bad living conditions. I think it's a mode of survival. What were your demands in this self-organized women's group? It was uh, in the moment that we want to have a safe place for the women. And also we want the camp be closed, you know, that is the thing most of the men that they were asking for that. But we want as a woman to ask this directly from the government or from the work. And the other one is to stop pushing back. People they don't know is police or the other that they are trying to push back people. The time that the boat is sinking, the only person that that are blaming the person that is just riding the boat. Okay. And it was that person also is a refugee, but they are arresting that per person and they are putting in the jail. Why? Because we lost people in that moment, but they don't. They are not blaming themselves that they were the people that they're pushing them back. And most of these people, because that they're just riding that boat, they have to be in the jail for 30 years or they have to pay money. And yeah, and no one don't know anything. Yeah, that's really, 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 really sad. Thank you very much for your input. We want to listen to a song that you chose and tell us something about the song. The name of the song is Mibu Samat. And the singer is Goga, Goga Taban. We are back now again and we are very happy to have Anna in the studio. Welcome Anna. In the first part with Zara, we talked about the EU border politics, especially being locked up and isolated in camps in the EU outer borders. As we know, many people are living through arriving through Greece or another entry and then become illegalized, especially through the Dublin regulation. When they decide to leave the first country, they entered they entered from in Europe. Just to shortly explain, the Dublin regulation is is a European Union law. It determines which country where the asylum seeker first entered Europe. The main aims of this regulation is on one hand to make sure that people do not make multiple applications for asylum in several Dublin member states. And on the other hand, to make deportations to these member states where people entered from Europe for the first time easier and give a, legitimation, a legitimization to them. So Anna, welcome to this program. Maybe you can start by introducing yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jennifer, for having me. Uh, my name is Anna Kimani. I am from Kenya. 
I have been in Germany for the last three years. When I came to Germany, I came through uh, Italy on a Schengen visa. And then I came to Germany and uh, I applied for asylum. Uh, they gave me like three months because they were communicating to Italy to see if Italy would accept me. Italy did not respond, and so they assumed lack of response is it means acceptance. And so they gave issued me with a, a letter of deportation. And um, on the day they were deporting me, uh, they found me in my room. That is the day I was supposed to go for my social money, so meaning I had nothing in my pocket. And so I was surrounded by so many policemen in my room. Uh, they would not allow me even to go to the toilet or anything. And they told me, you can carry your things. We are taking you to Italy. So they took me to Italy. And uh, when I landed Italy, I had nothing in my pocket. I went through the procedures of through the, um, I mean, the, the regulations of through police, the police, I don't know, identification and so, and so on. And then from there, you are given a, a, a paper to tell you that now the country is open for you to look for a place to stay. I remember I was in the street alone, um, wondering what to do. I just stayed in one pl place because I was scared. I was scared of everybody I was seeing around because I, the thing of the things that I was seeing, I would see so many blacks taking drugs and uh, other women were prostituting. So m a lot of vehicles would come stop by me because they see my black color and they would pre presume I've come for uh, commercial sex or, uh, work. So, and uh, then I decided to walk into a police station. Uh, it was almost raining and it was getting dark, asking whether they could give me a, a shelter. And the police department uh, told me that this is not a lodging. Go and look for a lodging. Uh, but I decided, no, I will stay. Another policeman came and asked this other policeman, why are you allowing this one to stay here? I, I said she should go. This is not a, a lodging place. But because it was raining, I decided to stay outside the police station until the rain stopped. And then from there, I started uh, dragging my, my suitcase looking for a place to stay. I didn't find any place. I found only a, 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 an empty building. Uh, so I said, ah, this place, since it is, uh, it's, it's outside a building and it's not raining, I can stay here. So I stayed overnight in front of a, a certain building. The next morning is when I decided to call some friends in Germany and they gave me a contact to a person they knew in Italy who, who decided to house me. And this man ha in this house, it was two rooms. Uh, he had also so many people who were living there, like 10, more than 10 people, and all of them were men. We are only two women sharing one bed, two women and 10 men sharing one bed. And so I saw this, con it was a, for me, it was not a, a, a situation I could stay. And so through just this person, I was able again to come back to Germany. When I came back to Germany, I was uh, introduced to a Kenyan lady. The Kenyan lady said, I can stay, I can house you uh, as you take care of my, my children. And so I accepted it very easily because of my desperation to look for a place to stay and uh, to, to look for a means of earning money. So, and she gave me a domestic job. Uh, this included taking t babysitting and taking her children to school and cooking and and uh, and the cleaning the house. So she promised to be paying me 200 euros per month. But later on, she changed. She started giving me like 100, and then later on she stopped uh, paying me altogether. And uh, while staying here, it was kind of isolated for me because she would not allow me to talk to anybody. Or even when people come to house and they want to talk to me, she would prevent them. And think she used to think she wanted me to stay there, and she used to think that if I talk to people, probably I may, I may go and w get another pla a better place to stay. So it's like she was controlling me. And uh, because I was still traumatized because of the deportation, she still could remind me, you know, you are uh, illegal. You know, you are illegal. You know, you are illegal. So you can be deported anytime. So uh, she she saw my the my desperation and fear of deportation in me and so she used this as an instrument to even to exploit me more and uh, abuse more me more um but later on i managed to get out of this place through my friend and where i was given a house was not even better because it again i experienced i experienced more problem there because uh, it was a man's house and th this man wanted to also take advantage of me sexually um, 
later on again through um, networks like the international women space they took me and sheltered me and protected me from all these that things that had experienced in the past and um okay while at the IVS I have been in politically involved with the empowering other refugees women through the program of break isolation group and also um, I got to also get involved in another network by the name respect which connected me to another women who are undocumented called casita casita means a little house okay so they call themselves a little house and so they are women who are undocumented and they come together and they share experiences and they cook together and they don't speak the germany language and they don't know english they only speak spanish so they they are there to be assisted in case they want to go to see a doctor or they want to look for a job and they don't know how to speak the language so that they can get somebody who can translate for them thank you so much because you have taken us through the journey of how you uh you came to germany entered through a, a different country and how you were deported how you managed to get back to germany after sharing the living conditions in italy the process of you entering and being exploited through the fear you had of being deported and being illegalized my question to you would be can you talk about the living and working conditions for undocumented women for example yes um uh, many households in germany they depend on domestic workers and uh, without them they cannot go to work in the productive economy so work in private homes is highly unregulated and open to abuse and violation of human rights in most cases the working duties and hours are not clearly defined it is cooking ironing taking care of pets taking care of elderly taking care of children and uh, you can work up to even 16 hours in a day and the employer expect extreme flexibility and permanent availability despite our contribution to the economy and documented people don't exist they they live in isolation enduring humiliation and exploitation at the same time living in contact, contact constant fear of uh, deportation some employers um, know that undocumented people fear deportation and may threaten to call immigration authorities when maybe an undocumented work decide to to complain and uh, because of our desperation to keep our jobs we are uh, forced to accept low pay and work long hours even without break some employers decide not to pay um and uh, withdraw with the, all the wages all together and uh, when we are working in this place these private homes we are we are exposed to occupational health hazards uh for example the chemicals and detergents that we use for cleaning they affect our skin sometimes uh, there is also workplace accidents and uh, because we don't have insurance uh to to cover for medical uh, treatment we end up not getting uh, the the right, the right uh, treatment there is also bar language barrier because when uh, you are living as an undocumented person you are, you are uh, considered an illegal person and so you cannot integrate to learn the language because you don't have the necessary documents and this further drives us into more depression and um, more isolation and uh, in my case um, i had to look for networks where i could get maybe uh, connected to in order for me to start now getting um, places where i could start learning this language on my own maybe i can also ask you why don't illegalized women report these cases of uh, of situations where they uh, they endure the challenges that you have just named why don't they report mhm mm the reason why they don't report is uh, 
they fear court proceedings because this may expose their status and so they will end up being deported. And social isolation resulting in lack of support from friends also makes them not be able to report. Uh, reporting may also affect their career and so and they will lose their uh, their only way, way of earning a living at the same time there is also fear of denunciation and subsequent deportation and so being a woman also there is what we call poor bargaining power so they choose to keep quiet and in most cases also feeling embarrassed thank you so much what are some of the ways that women get illegalized yeah F first of all when when uh, people enter european countries they come uh, with a temporary working visa and the only visa that they get is a visa to work in private homes so once they and others come with tourist visa and once they, this visa expires they become undocumented uh, some come as uh, asylum seekers and the uh, asylum gets rejected and then they become also undocumented. Others come via agencies which often withhold their identity cards or passports until they have paid their full cost of the journey. You're now in the campaign Legalizero Yet, Legalize Now. What are the demands for this campaign? The campaign Legalization Now, the major demands are two. The first demand is uh, the comprehensive and uh, immediate legalization of all illegalized people living in Berlin by granting them permanent resident title using the um, using paragraph 23.1 uh, that uh, Allah, that says that a group of people can be given a resident permit based on humanitarian grounds. Uh, we see uh, illegalized people as following under this category because of their living and working conditions. Um, the other demand is to abolish paragraph 87, according to which uh, employers are, are allowed to denounce the existence of a person who is illegalized and, and report them to immigration authorities. Those are the two demands. Okay. And how do you see yourself connected to other migrants in other European countries? Because I think the case of illegalized people is a European, it's a, it's a, it's a European thing. Yeah, nearly all domestic workers in, the Euro in all other European countries wo uh, work without um, resident permits. And the subject of regularization uh, also pre preoccupies other migrant groups in other European countries. There has been significant breakthrough for the rights of undocumented migrant workers in the, for example, UK, Greece, Spain, Italy, and Ireland. So a uh, legalization campaign borrowed the idea to legalize, uh, illegal and, uh, legalize m migrants from women in Spain. And so we started the legalization campaign. That's very interesting. It's very good to see how women come together and start fighting for for the rights of other women. When me, people say women are not political, then I'm wondering what are we all doing if you're not, we're told you're not political. Uh, I just want to ask you, Anna, what is being illegalized? What, what, how does that come, that term come in? What, what prompts that term of illegalization? Uh, being illegal in Germany means that you don't have the necessary documents to be in this country. So if you don't have any documents, it means you are living in this country illegally, and so you are considered a criminal. Okay. When you become illegalized, it means you cannot get the, the basic needs that you need in order to survive. Yes. What does it make people do in, with these circumstances? What... What does it force people to do? Is there any reaction? Is there any results as 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 a means of being illegalized? Yeah, because you need to survive. Uh, you do anything. You'll accept any job that comes your way. You'll do prostitution for you to to get uh, money to f to feed yourself or or money to pay your rent. You will do cleaning jobs. You will be employed as a domestic worker. Okay. 
and uh, in this situation of being illegalized, is there a way that you are able to get out of it? What does it entail to get out of this, uh, this, this, this thing the state puts you in? The way to get out of this illegalized situation is, uh, for instance, you get married to somebody who, is a, who has a um, German resident, or you get a child, or uh, you apply asylum and then through the asylum process, if if you are if you are lucky and you are you are accepted, uh, you can be given up a residence. Or if you you go to a school and do your training, maximum three years, you can also get papers to stay in this country. Um, the other thing is what we are doing now, campaigning for legalization, using pressure to the pol politicians by what we have done, we've written to them open letters, we have done demonstration in the streets, we've done uh, open discussions, uh, and we are using paragraph 23.1 to push for, for legalization of illegalized migrants. There is a campaign, there is a slogan that we have been saying, kind men, she's illegal, nobody is illegal, and I think we will continue to be loud and say nobody is illegal. Yes. Now going to listen to a song, Anna, please introduce this song and maybe say what it is about. Uh, this song is by Eric Wainaina and it's a patriotic song about my country, Kenya. Hatutaki hatakamwe Lazima tungane Tuijenge inchi yetu Pasiwe hata moja Anayetenganisha Naishi natumaini Najitolea daima Kenya Hakika ya bendera ni uthabiti wangu Nyeusi ya wana inchi na nyekundu ni atamu Kijani ni ya ardhi nyeupe ya amani Daima mimi nkenya mwana inchi mzalendo Kwa vilio na huzuni Tulinya kuli wa uhuru Na mashuja wa zamani Hawa kustushwa na risasi Au kupungwa gerezani Nia yao ukombozi Kubunja pingu za ukoloni
Thank you so much for the song. It is a very strong patriotic song. I can see that. We are now at the end of our program. Thank you very much, Anna and Zara, for being with us today. We are really, really humbled that you are able to share your stories with us. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio. And it is only on 88.4 in Berlin and on 90.7 in Potsdam. You can listen to We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio every Friday and Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. and on Sundays from 1 to 5 p.m. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to EBS Radio. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free Powerman Radio in Berlin. EBS Radio is a podcast series on the migrant women experience brought to you by EBS, the international women's space. We are a feminist, anti-racist group of migrant women, refugee women, and women without this experience. EVS Radio is a continuation of our work documenting the lives and stories of refugee and migrant women living in Germany. Visit our website, iwspace.de, to find out more about our work and subscribe to our newsletter. A complete transcript and a German translation of today's episode will also be available there soon. <laughs>